Hello and welcome to Hacker Public Radio. This is our monthly review show for February of 2012. I am Pokey. With me tonight is Epicanus. Bonus Nachos. And 5150. Hello, and uh, I'm brought to you this evening, uh, or I just opened O'Malley's Cream Style Irish Ale from uh, Missouri. Oh, wait, I forget, forgot this one, Pod Brewers uh, or Linux Outlaws. I, boy, I hope they sent you a free one for that plug. <laughs> oh, I kind of doubt that they listen. Epicanus, what's new with you? Anything? Oh, not a whole lot. I've just moved 2,000 miles since my, my last HPR contribution, uh, which was way too long ago. I'm basically here tonight because I'm guilty and uh, wanted to contribute something before I get my next contribution out. Cool, cool. Sounds like fun. Okay, so uh, I guess we could get started. Uh, first off, we'd like to thank the new hosts from February. Uh, that would be Bob Wooden and Root Outcast. Um, they put up some, some shows this month, and we want to thank them as well as all of our returning hosts. And after that, we'd also like to thank Dan Washko for beginning a new series, the Linux in the Shell series. Uh, this is one that I'm very excited about, not only because it's very good, um, and also because I'm a, I'm a Dan Washko fan, but this is really educational. It's easy to follow along. He's, he's thought these out very, very well, and he's executed very, very well. This is, this is prime content here. This is top-of-the-shelf stuff. Yeah, I'll have some praise for that when we get to those episodes. I learned a lot from both of them. And as far as uh, HPR news, stuff that's been going on either in front of everyone or behind the scenes if you're not on the mailing list and uh, not following every show, people keep asking about stickers this year because we did some stickers uh, in the past. We've, uh, past couple of years, we've done some different stuff. I know that Klaatu has ordered some stickers this year. I'm not exactly certain which ones he's ordered. I think it's a modification of one of the older stickers. And uh, he's, he's ordered a bunch, and those should be going around to the different conferences. And we'll be able to talk about those conferences then, but there will be some stuff uh, mailed around. Now, if anybody has some new sticker designs and they want to uh, submit that, you know, maybe for next year's stickers or later this year, that would be cool, too. You can send those to hbr at hackerpublicradio.org. It would be one way to get, you know, uh, to help out is to give us some designs. Or if, any, if anybody wants to print some stickers, get in touch with us at that same site, and we will send you plenty of designs to choose from that already exist. Uh, did you guys have anything you wanted to say about stickers? Just that uh, I'm, I'm really getting with the new stickers that have been uh, the designs that have been posted to the mailing list. Yeah, yeah, those are absolutely fantastic. RF Queerin, I believe it's Richard Queerin, has designed um, several new stickers or album art or whatever I guess we would want to use them for. They are just, they are mind-bogglingly good. They are really fantastic. We'll have a link to those in the show notes for anyone who doesn't subscribe to the mailing list. You can check them out there. Yeah, very nice work. I definitely want some stickers from that. Yeah, I uh, that or or maybe you know if, if people could take those um, those pings those images and stick them on a sheet of eight and a half by eleven paper and make like pull tabs with the um, you know with with Hack Public Radio the address down bottom on pull tabs that even that would be you know a great contribution out in the real world they're, they're perfect for that 
come to think of it, I think you can buy uh, uh, bumper sticker stock for laser printers. You can arrange something with that, too, I'll bet. That's not a bad idea. Print your own stickers. That's uh, that's pretty good. Yeah, that's that's all good stuff. Uh, 5150, I think this brings us to uh, uh, some news and update about your project, the EPIC uh, project that's going on. Oh, there's some, been some updates recently. Earlier this month, I compiled the list of the original host that came over from Ben Rev and talked to Stank Dog, and it was basically him and a fellow named Black Ratchet uh, that hosted Ben Rev. Of course, they're both invited, and I've already got a confirmation from Stank Dog that he's interested as long as he doesn't have to do any of the editing or recording. <laughs> I know that feeling. Yeah, better than anyone, I suppose. <laughs> and then I compiled the list of everybody who was involved with Today with the Techie. And the uh, first year, 2008, pre pretty much started the beginning of the year of uh, HPR. I just want to point out to Pokey uh, that you remember last month, I, I was uh, stretching for a term to call these people who were involved earlier on, and I called them luminaries, and you said, no, just call them some bunch of old guys. And I, I knew it back then, but I've, I've confirmed it. I feel I should point out to you that that bunch of old guys you were talking about includes Plexi, Uberchick, and Scarlet. I meant it in the genderless sense of the term. Right, and you didn't, didn't miss Sigflup by much. Of, of course, they're, you know, they're all one of the guys to us, but I don't think I'd want to come up to any of them and call them some bunch of old guys. So just watch, watch your back at Nelf, I guess, is what I'm saying. I don't think I meant to call them old guys. I just meant that if you gave them too uh, prestigious a name, you might scare some of them off. They might not want to. You know, try to, to. I wouldn't want to live up to the, the the name Luminary. That would cause me to say, "Oh, he's talking about the rest of them." Well, I did post some analysts. I came up with another name, OH, for original hosts. So maybe that'll be more palatable. Yeah, I liked OH. That was pretty good. And the other thing I came with, came up with, I calculated if we stay with the five episode a week release structure then that should put episode 1,000 on June 1st, and uh, that's the one that's just going to be sort of a compilation of the well wishes and any stories about the early days that people want to send in. I'll put them all together. And then the panel with the original host, the ones that I can uh, pull all together, that should be posted on the uh, 5th, of July, the day the day after uh, Independence Day. Of course, it'll be recorded a week or maybe two uh, before then, uh, just to make sure we get it. I'm thinking probably a week, so that should put me after wheat harvest, or at least where I'm not rushing so much. That's the schedule for when they'll be posted if if nothing changes. Okay, so the uh, the pre-recorded. Congratulations, show episode one thousand. Um, have you received any uh, any audio files for that? Not a single one <laughs> yet. Of course, I I'm going to start contacting people, but I I hate to run up to it three months ahead of time because then you build up ahead of steam, and then by the time you get to it, nobody remembers that they agreed to do anything or they've become busy. 
that's why I'm not, you know, just burning to uh, push all this stuff yet. So, no, I haven't got that, and I haven't got anybody that I haven't contacted saying, yeah, I would like to be on the panel. So, you guys know who you are, at least the people who, who are on the mailing list, because I posted that stuff a month ago. Oh, oh, the other thing, our last episode this Friday with uh, Ken and Lord Drakenblut. Drakenblut mentioned uh, Radio Freak America as a precursor to uh, HPR. And uh, he said towards the waning days of Radio Freak America, they were organizing HPR. And I think maybe he's misremembering a little because what I've been able to look up, RFA ended in 2004, and the first episode that I see of HPR is 2008. So I'm wondering if they didn't, if RFA didn't become BinRev and then uh, Plotex. So, but still, those people, are, I'm going to get a list of names and try to contact them. And those hosts for RFA, I'd very much like to have them included. Yeah, because they're they're definitely there in the lineage, whether it was you know a direct step or not, they they're definitely were there. So um, now let me ask you this. It's not too early for people to start sending those in would be my guess. So I would recommend if anybody wants to send in a you know, congratulatory recording, a short one, I'm guessing is what we're looking for. Um, now's the time to get in before 5150 has to pester you for it. Right. Especially if you don't think uh, you're going if you're one of the original hosts, but you don't think you're going to be able to participate on the panel, if you have a little story about what happened, this this is how I decided to become an HPR or Tech host, or these are stories about how the trials and tribulations that we had uh, securing hosting or or getting any of these precursor podcasts and HPR itself rolling. You know, I I would like to have some stories like that to include of course if everybody does a story uh who's an hpr contributor and listener and from the other podcast then it's going to be another 12-hour show but i don't think everybody's going to have something like that to contribute but if you do please drop that in there because otherwise it's just going to be an hour or two hours of a uh, hundred different people saying congratulations hpr and i don't know how long most of our listeners are going to want to sit there and listen to that so if we could intersperse that with some real some real stories of the old days that we haven't heard before i think that would be be great that, that would be pretty cool. But even if it's just people saying, you know, congratulations and, and, and good to hear from you, I like listening to that kind of thing. I like hearing it just because these are all people who I've listened to shows from or, or people who haven't even put in shows that I know they're listeners. And it's just it's great to hear the community wake up and become active like that. That's I love that kind of thing. So even that I'll listen to. And one other thing, I uh, emailed uh, Door to Door Geek a while back because I know, knew that he had experience with both Mumble and TeamSpeak because before they went to uh, video casting, they always used to use TeamSpeak for the uh, multiple host shows on Podnuts. And I wanted to ask him if one perhaps would support uh, more simultaneous connections than the other one. And he said he thought they were both about the same, but I'd posited I'd heard maybe the functional limit was about 20 people at once on either one. And he really doesn't think there is a limit, and he 
he invited us to uh, test it by all joining the Linux user group before uh, Linux Basics on Friday night one evening. And so probably by our review for next month, I'll set a date for that and we'll work it out with Door. And I think it'd be really neat if the listener, you know, as many listeners and many contributors as possible would take an e- evening and just drop in on his server and see if we can kill it dead. Nice. Of course, stay, stay around for Linux Basics. Have a, have a big, huge, epic Linux Basics as well. Yeah, after we break his server, let's see if he can get it up and running again by showtime. That's a a fun way to spend a Friday evening. Well, we were invited to try, so I think we should test his theory. I totally agree. Okay, uh, moving right along, we've uh, we've got some upcoming events that we're going to talk about at the end after the show review, but let's uh, let's quickly run through our show review for the month of February. These are the the shows that um, that have aired since the last monthly review. So first up was Uber Elite Hacker Force Radio number six by Sigflup. That's that's uh, part six in her series. Those are those are good, and we thank her for that. Episode nine eighteen was how I started with Linux part two by Frank Bell. I'm enjoying I enjoyed that one just as much as the first. Episode nineteen was really cool. It was off way off in left field as as. Uh, you know, compared to some of our normal stuff, but it was really neat and really interesting, was um, something I cannot pronounce. Uh, elf's, boy, Elf's dead in touch to be or not to be. And basically they were just talking about a race, uh, a skating race that's done in, um, is, is it Nether- Netherlands? I think so. And uh, and whether or not it was going to be held this year. And, and sadly, I, I think it was not. I think he said it wasn't. Is that correct? Okay, I didn't catch that on it. Yeah, I think um, I don't think that was on the episode. I think it was an update somewhere else. But yeah, it was. Um, I think it was canceled because it was too warm and the ice was not thick enough. But just learning how they how they hold that race and how they prep for it was really something interesting. I thought sounds like the ice fishing up in the northeast right now in the U.S. Yeah, those ice fishing. Uh, I've done quite a bit of that, and it's it's odd how one week you'll have. A foot of ice, and the next week you've got not enough to walk on, and a week after you've got another foot. It just, it, it really, it depends on weather and water movement and how much snow you get, and yeah, it's it's a, it's very strange. Well, I'm on the translated web page, and it says the last trip was held on January 4th, 1997. Yeah, it's it's takes a lot. They said they need a, a lot of ice to make it work. Where you know there might be enough ice there for you know, people to walk on and skate on, but not enough for however many thousands do that. So it was, uh, yeah, I mean, we're fumbling around the facts here and probably getting them half wrong. But if you haven't listened to show 919, that was a that was good. You should, you should head back and listen to that for the actual details of it. Uh, show 920 was Talk Geek to Me, newscast uh, by Deep Geek. Now, I am finding these Deep Geek episodes to be incredibly informative. These are things that, uh, this is news I haven't even gotten from my other weird, odd news websites and, and feeds that I go to. I don't know where he's finding this stuff, but this is some great, great information. And I'm glad he's he's back, and I'm glad he's brought this with him. Uh, it's good stuff. Thank you very much, DP. And, and if anybody is a, uh, 
you know, like a fan of alternative news type stuff. If you're like a no agenda listener or you're like a Dan Carlin listener um, and you want to talk, you want to, you want to hear the news that they're not talking about that, you know, um, that relates to us, to our technology and stuff. Deep Peak is bringing it. So that's, that's good stuff. Episode 921 was a tag team Chase Douglas interview with Allison uh, Kachin, hosted by Marco Z. And this, that was that was very, very interesting, too. Episode 922, updating a Garmin GPS for free, was uh, Riddlebox's episode. I think that was his, no, I don't remember what, how many he's done. <laughs> I know it wasn't his first. I, I, it was good. I enjoyed it. I almost bought a Garmin GPS after listening to that. <laughs> Just the last minute, I backed out of it, but that was good. It's too bad, you know, since Garmin is such a nice device that, Pretty much everybody from an iPhone or Android phones already have most of that functionality built in, and it's probably one of those technologies that might not be around much longer. Yeah, my old Garmin's in a box somewhere still. I've just been using my phone. Yeah, see, I, I think a standalone GPS is a fantastic device. I, I really, really like them. I, I understand the phone's being more up-to-date and tapping into different resources, but... Uh, I really like the idea of a standalone GPS, something that lives in the car, something with a, a bigger screen, and uh, you know can be operated one hand. I, I don't know. I've I've used the TomTom, Tom and I really like the TomTom. Tom. I, I haven't used the Garmin, so I, I don't know about that. And I haven't used one on a cell phone. The only other one I had was uh, one of the ones that was available on the Nokia N810, and the TomTom Tom really beats the heck out of it for navigation. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I see it alone. GPS, I, I like. And if I could jump back on on, on uh, the interview, that and the uh, ones on the ex-developers uh, conference uh, that posted this summer, I found those fascinating, and I didn't expect to. I kind of, uh, a lot of times I skip over the uh coding podcast, even though I used to be a programmer. I'm not in that much anymore, but I've just, all of them been chock full with information about how X works, and uh, I've just found it very interesting. Yeah, I'm. I've never been a programmer either, but when I hear these, you're right. Those two episodes. Um, when I hear them, I I take little bits and pieces away with me that I can understand, and it, it helps me to just to understand the Linux system a little bit better. You know, there's stuff you 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 know you'd never or I'd never heard of before. You know, it's not completely useful to me because I'm not a programmer, but it's really cool to understand that people are looking into it and just to appreciate that people are doing that kind of work, you know, on, on the stuff that we that we use every day. I mean, I'm, I'm staring at a screen here with, you know, eight open windows on it and windows with 12 tabs in them. And you click on anything and stuff just shows up in front of my face like magic. But really, it's the hard work of these people. And it, it is good to be reminded of that. You're absolutely right. Okay, and the next one was episode 923, 12 Gazillion Buttons. And uh, I, I know he knows, and everybody else may not know, that the uh, Linux Outlaws forums were sort of my first social home on the Internet for to talk about uh, open source. And I've uh, through that, I've been acquainted with Jezra and uh, NY Bill for quite some time. And I you know, always enjoy seeing their posts. And, you know, I, I could probably uh, listen to them reading the phone book and enjoy that. 
Yeah, they're fun guys. I, I bumped into them and met them in passing last year at Northeast Linux Fest. They had a lot of fun there, too, and they, they were good guys. Well, I think you met N.Y. Bill. I don't think Jezra was. You would remember Jezra if you'd seen him. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know. I met a bunch of those guys from that area. From that, There's, there's a bunch of names that kind of go together. N.Y. Bill, Windigo was there. I, met, I know. I remember meeting Windigo. A couple of them. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're probably right. Well, Jezra is known, well, I mean, he's known for a lot of things, but he has these truly epic sideburns that just, you're probably not going to meet anybody like him again. Nice, nice. Okay. After that was uh, episode 924 was um, Dan's first Linux in the Shell episode. Dan watched those first Linux in the Shell episode uh, on redirection. And, man, if that didn't, clear some things up for me that I just could not wrap my head around. That, that was very useful information. I, I liked that a lot. If anybody's looking for his shows specifically from the Hacker Public Radio main page, you can click on the host's link. And Dan is spelled with two N's, though elsewhere he's known as Dan Washko. Uh, here he's just double N Dan. Right, and of course, uh, Dan was one of the original hosts from HPR and farther back to today with the techie, and I'm sure he's expecting me to contact him about joining the Epic Podcast, so he's one of the guys I would really like to have on there. Uh, on this episode, I had it on last night. I told you, Pokey, that I listened about the last weeks in, since I talked to Ken about 5 o'clock last night, and with the high-speed running rock box. Interesting, Dan sounds about the same same at normal speed and at 200%, but I was kind of listening to that while I was cleaning up last night, and and I was, you know, it's kind of stuff, I thought, well, I can just uh, listen to this with one ear because it's things I thought I already knew, but they started talking about the different symbols to output standard error, and things clicked for me because about, oh, four months ago, I was on the Hash Fedora IRC channel trying to figure out a problem I was having, and they have a paste bin built into Fedora where you can run stuff from the command line and automatically generate a new paste bin, but my, uh, I was getting everything but the errors at the end, and I was having to copy those manually. And now I understand after, or was reminded after listening to Dan, that that's the reason that the standard output is getting redirected to the paste bin, but standard error wasn't. Yeah, I had no idea about some of those things. Standard error, I, I didn't even know existed. That was, that was news to me. And, uh, and, and just the redirection in general was great the way he laid that out. Okay, and episode 925 was another episode of Talk Geek to Me Tech News uh, by Deep Geek. 926 was Heresies in the Year of the Apocalypse, Episode 1, Computer Languages by Mr. Gadgets. Always Mr. Gadgets is incredible to listen to. Yeah, he really is. They were a lot of fun. And um, that that one was especially fun because he was talking about how at the time of his recording, it was still 2011, and he was hoping that he would get it out by the end of January. And here it was quite near the end of February that this one was aired. So I thought that was a little ironic, and I hope he, he appreciated that. Well, I've got one still on my hard drive that, I've, that I'm editing. There will probably be a couple on work that I've done fixing my systems this week that will probably beat them into the queue. <laughs> Episode 927. Setting up a WordPress blog, part one, hosted by Frank Bell. 
That was another good one. I, I like hearing from Frank Bell. I think that was his first one that wasn't like a, a How I Found Linux or, or history type show, which uh, which I loved anyway. But that was, um, yeah, as far as the technical and instructional side of podcasting goes, I think that was his first one for that. And it was it was very listenable, very in, enjoyable and informative. So thank you. Yeah, that really made the setting up WordPress so much less intimidating for me. Of course, I've already got a Drupal-based blog that I'm using a service to do. I didn't set it up myself. In fact, that's, that's the one I'm still editing. Yeah, I want to thank Frank because uh, so I, I want to learn all the major development tools. And uh, when I come to WordPress and setting that up on my local server that I have here, uh, I'm going to go straight back to his podcast. And another thing I, I pulled out that I thought is interesting, he mentioned No IP is his hosting site that provided him with a domain. Of course, that, that's for free. I'm, I'm certain, I'll have to check into it. I'm certain that's not a top-level domain. But uh, that was something else I pulled out of there. I, I really need to research. Yeah, I, I may or may not be using no IP for for one small website that I have. But, um, yeah, it, it's not a top-level one either, you're right. But it's it's a good one to look into. Uh, next on the list, episode 928, My Linux Adventure, Part 1, hosted by Bob Wooden. Um, and this was his first contribution, so it, it got bumped to the front of the queue, just as your show will be bumped to the front of the queue if you uh, contribute your first new show. So thank you to Bob for that. That one was that one was really fun to listen to. Nine twenty nine was the Nightcast Storytime episode by Nightwise, and that one was really fun too. The the way he you know, talked about sitting down, close your eyes, listening in, and, and he tell you a little story. That was that was unique and and fun to listen to. Nine thirty was another episode of Talk Geek to Me Tech News by Deep Geek. 931, The Rat Poison Window Manager by Root Outcast. This was his first show. And it was, um, I didn't really know anything about the Rat Poison Window Manager other than it probably has the best name of any window manager. So this one was good to hear about. Yeah, well, and I also knew that you pretty much used it without the mouse, which is what he was talking about. Right, this new laptop I'm building under Arch. I don't think, uh, I don't think I'll try Rat Poison, but I am going to try. Uh, awesome with it, which I think is a descendant or at least a cousin to uh, rat poison. Maybe in a month I'll be able to tell you something more about that type window manager. Yeah, I believe that uh, you're correct about that. I believe that awesome is a direct descendant of rat poison. It may even be a fork of it. We should ask Peter64. He seems to be the awesome window manager's number one marketing director and, and advertiser. <laughs> He's pimping that all the time. It's hard to say awesome window manager without it actually being a shout out to peter 64 so i might as well mention him anyway episode 932 programming languages number one this was by garjola i think this is the one you wanted to say something about 5150 well i just wanted to point out this was one of the higher level graduate courses that i took as an undergraduate i spent a semester with exactly this same material and i'm not sure that there was any more information in that entire semester of college than uh, what Gargiola presented to us. Yeah, this one struck me particularly. We don't get a lot of scripted episodes where where you can tell that the person who's recording the episode has taken the time to write out everything and is reading it from a script. And this was one, and, and he, he clearly was reading from a script because he didn't stumble or anything like that. And his 
far, and, and I like scripted episodes as, as well as I like off-the-cuff episodes, but I, I wanted to say that as far as the scripted episodes go, this was one of the most well-written and well-thought-out and most well-conceived episodes that I've heard, um, not just on HBR, but anywhere. He has a real gift for, for scripting an episode, and I, I hope he keeps that up, because it was really enjoyable, really educational, just Hearing about the different languages was so cool. I think the only language that I've ever heard of that he didn't mention, is it Vala, I think is, is one of the newer ones. I'd like to hear his take on that compared to the rest of these, because uh, I've heard some people talk that one up and say it's, it's uh, you know, pretty good. But, um, yeah, it was what, what a great episode. That one really blew me away. Well, kind of my take on uh, Vala, and I think Mr. Gadget sort of hit on that, is... Oh, when you look at a distribution, there's thousands of them out there, well, hundreds, but there's a dozen that are sort of your core distributions, and when you, there's a lot of neat things in all all the variations, but when you install one on a a production machine, I tend to want to say, well, I want want a distribution, and I know it's still going to be there in two years, so I I stay pretty close to the core ones and uh, run the interesting ones in a VM, and I think that can be kind of extrapolated to Val, I think, from description. I'd really like to get into that and learn it, but I think the support right now is a lot more behind something like Python. Yeah, no, I understand. I, I, I totally get that, that, that it hasn't been around probably long enough or hasn't got the attention that it needs yet to get attention, if that makes any sense. It hasn't had that kind of snowball effect yet. I just meant the way that, that Garjola described all of the different programming languages that he covered, I'd like to hear that kind of that kind of research and unbiased conclusions go into to Val as well. I'm just what I'm saying really is I'd like Garjola to do a follow up episode and and point out some of these other maybe newer obscure ones just because I like his show so much. Right, and I'd add in if you if uh, somebody would like to go back and uh, pick up on some of what I guess we call functionally the dead languages, uh, the ones that aren't being used a whole lot anymore. I took a semester of COBOL, and I got into school right when they were actively trying to kill it. Uh, When I I was in uh, computer science, COBOL was over in the business, and I, I really didn't ever get into it until I was out of school. I took a semester at a uh, junior college locally to pick up on because there seemed to be, that seemed to be there were still a lot of uh, jobs in that arena, but they never could get enough people to run the second semester of, of the COBOL class, and you had to have both of them really to go out and get employment and at least have that much. Yeah, it sounds like kind of the way that uh, Linux sysadmins are in demand right now. Okay, so moving along, uh, episode 933, Freedom is Not Free, uh, number one, Introduction by Ahuka. This was a really fantastic episode. As many times as I hear the story of Richard Stallman and how he began the free software movement, I never get sick of it. I, I am a big fan of Richard Stallman and what he stands for and what he does. To me, he's a great man, and I love hearing about him. I love hearing about the freedom that is free software. And uh, it's, you know, this this topic I am in favor of. I am a fan of it. Yeah, that GNU stuff is kind of important if you want to run something besides the kernel. 
Yeah, it sure is. And that free stuff is kind of important if you want to run something at all and uh, and give something at all to friends and family members. Yeah, definitely. That's one of the main reasons I ever got into free software to begin with was it pretty quickly became obvious that they were granting me the specific right to take the software and help friends with it, you know, and, and help people out with it. Whereas with Windows, you know, the best you can do is try to put a patch on something while it's breaking down, you know. And, uh, you know, with, with Linux, you can say, here, here's a working system, and I am allowed to help you with this. I'm allowed to give you what you need here. It's just, it's such a fantastic thing. So, hey, learning to reboot is educational. <laughs> yeah, and learning to watch your virus scan run for two and a half hours and, and watch your defrag happen for another two hours. It's great. Fast hard drive. That's one of the worst parts about XP, Windows XP and the later ones, is that they, they took away the screen that lets you watch the defrag happen block by block. So they basically leave you wondering if anything's actually happening. Yeah, yeah. It used to, used to, you'd stare and stare and stare, and all of a sudden a whole big chunk would turn blue and go, oh, it's done. And they, they should never have gotten rid of that. Uh, now we'll be in some kind of a tile or something with the Windows 8 thing. Yeah, right. <laughs> okay, so episode 934... Uh, Linux in the Shell again by Dan Washko, and this was this episode was on a command line program called QR Encode, which is how you make Q, well at least one of the ways I don't know if there's more than one, but it is a way of making QR codes on Linux. Man, I thought I knew a little bit about QR codes. Now I realize I didn't and, until hearing Dan's episode. This was some fantastic. This was really good. Especially, you know, because we had those those books of QR codes last year at some of the, you know, going around to the Linux Fest. And we, we, I believe we'll have them again this year. And, uh, yeah, it was really, really cool. Thanks a lot, Dan. It was great. Yeah, QR code looks seems like something that has a, a lot of potential uses beyond what people tend to use them for. Yeah, especially Dan talked about just how many characters you could put in a QR code, and it would be a large QR code, no doubt, that the physically large, but still the, just the fact that you could put so much data into one really opens the door to, uh, to some neat ideas. Yeah, people only seem to use them for, for loading websites into their phone, but you can put any arbitrary text in them, so there's all kinds of things you can do with them. Right, and they've also uh, started to see some... Uh security exploits with the QR code. So you want to make real sure where the code is coming from. Uh, I'm surprised people haven't pranked people by printing their own QR code on a sticker to, for something that's not necessarily what people are expecting and going around and sticking them on signs and posters. But no, I had no idea that the amount of information was uh, and the error correction was so deep on these, and even though that the files included right now are set up to be text files, I wouldn't be surprised. You, you guys have probably heard on the Tinfoil Hat Show where Cafe Ninja occasionally talks about the command line utilities to embed a message in a JPEG and retrieve it. And with the amount of information available in the QR code, I would I would think that would certainly lend itself to exactly the same thing. You could post a QR code 
that everybody not looking for certain information, they would only uh, see a web link or whatever you want them to see. And then anybody who knew how to decrypt the code would be able to get something entirely different out of it. Yeah, it makes me think that it's probably not long until we see, like, perhaps poetry embedded in a QR code and stenciled up on a wall somewhere. You know, once that becomes popular, you get two or three or four of those on the same wall. And then right next to it, you get like a, a Python script <laughs> that's going to, you know, take your phone over and root your phone for you or some such thing. I've always thought it'd be interesting to put geographic coordinates and a timestamp for for uh, meeting times. Right. There could be all kinds of implications for this. I think you could add it to geocaching or something like that, that uh, you find the right place and here's a code and extra special prizes in there. Just scratching the surface of this one. Okay, so episode 935 was the last one before this show. This is uh, Monday's show, and this would have been Friday's. 935 would have been Friday's. Uh, Indiana Linux Fest. And this one was hosted by Ken Fallon. I believe it was a, an interview show. Yeah, with Floor Drunkenblut, and uh, we're talking about the Indiana Linux Fest that's that's co- coming up on April 13th to 15th in uh, Wyndham, Indianapolis, or well, at the Wyndham, Indianapolis West. That's the hotel, so it's in Indianapolis. Free to attend. Well, if you're in that area, anywhere near that area, you you need to get to it. And listen, listen to the cast uh, for the activities and speakers. I, I was just, I wish I was close enough to get to anything. And I did want to put out there, we we're kind of on the, on the topic. A lot of people who uh, hang out on cast plant. No, I'm, I'm sitting out here in the middle of Kansas, and it seems to me that I'm the only Linux user in the entire state. And I would very much like somebody to contact me and disabuse me of that notion. I was—I don't have a lot of time to get away in the plan for something like that. But if we could just get a, uh, a gate nick together sometime. So if you're out here in Kansas and you're listening to these podcasts and you think you're the only one, drop me an email. Yep, and, and uh, you can give out your own email address. Or if not, there's HPR at HackerPublicRadio.org is the mailing list, and, and I know 5150 is on there. Well, you, the easy way right now, of course, it's abuse of the address. It's EP1K, so it's Edward Papa, the numeral one, Kansas, at hackerpublicradio.org will come to my mailbox. Otherwise, directly, it's uh, 5150, all written out, no dashes, no spaces, at uh, linuxbasement.com. Cool, very cool. And speaking of events, there were a couple that have gone by already this year. Scale has gone by in January, and to the best of my knowledge, we had nobody there representing, and we had nobody there recording, so I don't think we'll have anything from scale in the HPR feed. In February, there was FOSDEM, the Free and Open Source Software Developers European Meeting. And that one, Ken was supposed to be at. He had some stuff come up, some personal stuff that that kept him away from there, unfortunately. The same was true of, uh, was it Nightwise? Was Nightwise still with him? Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, and he, he had also had something come up. Our next chance at an event is today. It's SIPX Collab. 
and this is uh, in Fort Collins, Colorado. So if anyone's in that area and wants to go record some stuff for us or do some interviews or get some coverage or, you know, hand out the URL somehow, that would be a great one to be at March 5th, uh, 2012 from, uh, it looks like 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. And that's the, uh, the people putting that on are the sipfoundry.org folks. Basically, what they do is they're trying to put together um, the only free and large-scale SIP implementation. So they're, they're working on, on stuff that we'd all be interested in. This was on FOSSEvents.org is, is where this is. If you've got an event and we're not talking about it tonight, please get over to HTTP colon two front slashes, FOSSEvents.org, F-O-S-S-E-V-E-N-T-S dot org, and post your event up on there so we can cover it in our next show. On 317, which is coming up pretty fast, March 17th, is the Northeast GNU Linux Fest, uh, and that's out in, um, in Worcester, Massachusetts. Not Worcester, it's Worcester. It's only spelled Worcester. And that's going to be, that, that should be fun. I'm definitely going to be out there. Several other guys are going to be out there. I'm not sure who else is or isn't definitely coming, but I, I will be there. I've got the approval from my wife, and that's all I need to make it 100% certain. Going to hang with Tobe with Willie this year? Yeah, I was hoping I'd be able to get there myself. But I don't think I'm going to be able to. We'll find out. Well, if you can, it'd be great to see you. Yeah, so for the Northeast Linux Fest, this is what Klaatu, he's ordered some stickers for that, for all of them anyway. Uh, so once that's over, as soon as that's done and I break down the booth, I will be sending those along to the next Linux Fest that we know of, and that's going to be Linux Fest Northwest. That's on April 28th and 29th. And David Whitman, is he's taking the lead on that one. He's going to represent HPR for us over there. If you can help David out, Either get in touch with him on the HPR mailing list or email him directly, David Glenn with two N's, Whitman at gmail.com, D-A-V-I-D-G-L-E-N-N-W-H-I-T-M-A-N at gmail.com. And, uh, and please give him a hand at Linux Fest Northwest. Oh, what's missing from, from this here? Oh, Indiana Linux Fest, right? Is it also in April? Is that correct? Yeah, April 13th to 15th. Okay, so, they, yeah, April 13th to 15th. That's not on um, on our list here. Yeah, okay, so it's it's not up on FOSSEvents.org. That's why it's not on our list. And the last one that we know of that's on our list to talk about, September 28th through the 30th, is Ohio Linux Fest. We have not got anyone yet who's uh, volunteered to help us out with that or to represent over there. So if you're interested in leading that up, just send an email over to the mailing list and, and tell us that you're the contact, and you'll be it. That's, uh, that's, that's all you need to do. I guess right now there's, they still have a uh, call for talks out for Ohio Linux Fest, so if you're interested in presenting over there, give them a shout-out. And we'll have links for all these in the show notes. You know, Head on over to hackerpublicradio.org and check out the show notes for all this information. So uh, South Linux Fest, uh, June 8th in Charlotte, North Carolina. June 8th, Charlotte, North Carolina? That's what I'm seeing here on their page, southeastlinuxfest.org. I, fi- I figure if we didn't mention it, Dave Yates would come out of wherever he's been hiding and beat us with sticks. 
Yeah, I'd like to hear from Dave Yates. It's that's not a one day fest though, is it? That's gonna be eighth, ninth, and tenth would be my guess. Yeah, I said eight to ten. Oh, sorry. Yeah, you, you broke up pretty bad when you were talking. I was I was trying to guess at the blanks. And I guess Southeast Linux Fest is seems to be anyway, it's gonna that's gonna be the big one this year. So uh, you know, if you can make it to only one and it isn't going to be Northeast GNU Linux Fest, because that's the one I'll be at, then uh, by hook or by crook, get to, to Southeast Linux Fest. That seems to be the, the big Linux Fest in the States this year. Uh, it used to be that OLF was the primary one, and that may be still the most prestigious one, but every recount that I've heard is that self is the, uh, is the most fun out of the big ones. Yep, that's what I keep hearing, too. I've been trying to get to a Linux Fest for years, and I haven't succeeded yet, but I'm working on it. Yeah, I've only been to one, and I pretty much hosted the HBR table the whole time. I, I, uh, I saw one talk, I think, and got one interview in, and the rest of the time I was just doing the HBR table, and it was still a blast. And, uh, of course, there's the, the after party, and, uh, and those are fun. And I was just hitting the MagnetCon page, and it looks, looks like there, it's not going on this year. Uh, if, I'm, if I'm in the right place, magnetcon.info. Uh, I'm reading this has been clear over recent weeks that it will be impossible for us to devote time to planning Magnicon due to a large number of other responsibilities and commitments. And uh, that's one K5 was involved in last year and that it didn't come off then either. So that's, that's too bad because that might be the closest one to me in Missouri. It's a bummer. It's always sad to hear when one of these tests doesn't go on. And uh, and like we said already, if you have a, a, a FOSS event that's going on, get over to FOSSEvents.org, put it on their calendar uh, so that we can pimp it a little bit in, in next month's show. And I think that's it for me. That's all I've got on our show notes here. Um, have either of you guys got anything else you wanted to cover before we sign off? No, don't think so. I just want my voice back so I can get recording again. Yeah, I'm sure I'll think of 10 things that will come to me the minute uh, we sign off, but they can wait till next month. Cool, very cool. So uh, then I'd just like to close by saying thank you to all of our new hosts. Um, you know, HBR wouldn't exist without people coming out of the woodwork and posting their shows, and it's, it's really fantastic to see it when it happens. I want to thank all of our returning hosts um, because by far – a majority of the shows are people's second or more shows. So the, the folks who are, who are returning to HPR to put out more than one show, uh, you are the bread and butter of Hacker Public Radio. You are what makes this work. And uh, it, it could not exist without people stepping up and, and returning and doing more shows. So thank you so much for that. I want to thank everyone who's listening. HPR is really for you. It's for the listener. It's for me as a listener. It's it's that's why I'm here too. So thanks for listening. We'll see you next month. We hope it's another good month of HPR shows for you. Thanks a lot and have a good day. Good night, everybody. Night. We'll see you in a month. You have been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, 
was contributed by a HBR listener like yourself. If you ever considered recording a podcast, then visit our website to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club. HBR is funded by the Binary Revolution at binrev.com. All BinRev projects are proudly sponsored by Lunar Pages. From shared hosting to custom private clouds, go to lunarpages.com for all your hosting needs. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons, Attribution, Share Alike, 3.0 license.